Welcome, True Believer readers, to another episode of Let's Read Spider-Man. And here's a man who would never talk backwards on the podcast, my responsibly enunciating friend, Eddie. How you feeling today, Eddie? You know, I am not feeling very good, but podcasting demands to continue. So I'm, I'm going to do my best. And I, I thought you were going to say back talking there, but backwards talking? I won't be doing any of that. Well, there'll be some backwards talking early in our comics. And then the comics we're going to talk about later on do have some back talking in it. So Ooh, a little we, bit we got, of both. Then, huh? That's right. That's right. So we'll start with the backwards talking ones first. And from March of 1975, Marvel Team Up 31 for A Few Fists More, featuring Spider-Man and Iron Fist, with Jerry Conway, Jim Mooney, and Vince Coletta. As Peter is having a cup of joe at the local diner, a masked kung fu artist kicks an assailant through the door. Iron Fist soon subdues the knife-wielding baddie and leaves a befuddled Peter behind. As Peter swings off to snoop on Iron Fist, his web is cut by a pistol-packing, strange-talking villain who seems to feed off superheroes fighting. Spidey falls near Iron Fist, and the obligatory first-meeting battle happens. Uh, this could be the most consistent trope in Spider-Man right now, right? <laughs> it was. I think the things we've talked about the most on this podcast would be the uh, Spider-Man being defeated by gas, Aunt May being in bed, and now Spider-Man fighting another hero. Uh, to be fair, though, uh, as Spider-Man's falling, i got to tell you, it's going down. I'm yelling timber because he actually yells timber, Eddie, and he does fall on top wow. of Iron Fist. He lands right on top of him, which is, I think, a decent way of starting a fight compared to some of the other silly reasons we've seen lately. <laughs> I guess so. When the two heroes finally stop to talk, they are almost immediately attacked by the drum and also, almost immediately, Spidey is captured and taken to his evil lair. There he tells a tale of backwards woe. He zaps Spidey for some more energy, and Iron Fist breaks down a wall. Iron Fist frees Spidey, and the two realize they can't touch Drom. They break his mirror, which apparently was the only thing keeping him alive. He disappears, and Peter returns home only to lose all recollection of his day. Eddie, you may recall a few episodes back, we had an episode where things were going to be a little light. So I asked the listeners if they wanted to become famous podcasters without appearing on the show. They only had to send in a question for us. And we had a segment I called, You're Not a Nobody, You're a Somebody. Well, anyway, when I asked those questions, two of the listeners had comments and questions you know, for us. But they were about different books, and we've reached the podcast that contains those books. So if you will allow me, for the first time ever, we're going to have not a guest, but an audio clip sent in by a guest. Are you ready for this? All right. And it's specifically about this book we just read. Hey, True Believer readers, it's JVD from the Deadly Podcast Kung Fu, where I cover everything Iron Fist and Shang-Chi. First, I'd like to thank Eddie and James B. from Let's Read Spider-Man for giving me an opportunity to ask a question in regards to Marvel Team Up 31 featuring my two favorite heroes, Iron Fist and Spider-Man. So my question is, do you guys think Dom's predicament in the book is due to Silvermane drinking the formula Dr. Connors made from the ancient tablet and his death just happens to happen at the same time Silvermane returned as a child? Really fascinating. I was thinking about Silvermane when I read this one. Personally, I do believe this is the case, and I do believe I have proof that proves it. 
In Amazing Spider-Man 75, when Dr. Connors gives Silvermane the formula, he drinks it, and it de-ages him from the age of 80 all the way to age of 40, and then he rapidly begins to de-age into nothingness, which he basically winks out of existence. So let's move on to Marvel Team-Up 31, which you gentlemen are covering now, and we meet Draw the Backwards Man. Basically, he tells Spider-Man that when he was born, all of a sudden, he was aged to an old man who looks to be about the age of 80. Then when we see him in this book, he is half that age as he is de-aging backwards and trying to prevent winking out of existence, much like Silvermane, which we do see that happens upon his defeat. A couple months later, Silvermane returns, and we find out that he is the new Hydra Supreme, and that all of a sudden, he was shot back into existence, much like a rubber band to a young child, which he began to rapidly age back to his normal age of 80. Now, I'm going to go into more detail over this and really make it make a lot of sense over on Deadly Podcast Kung Fu, so go ahead and follow me over on Twitter, at Deadly Kung Fu Pod, and remember guys, support your favorite podcast, support your little comic book shops, and keep reading comics, guys. A lot to cover there, Eddie. To hear more from JVD and more on this topic, you can listen to episode 27, which is out right now, of The Deadly Podcast of Kung Fu. It just came out uh, a few days ago. Thanks for sending that in. Great to hear from you. I have a special treat for JVD later in the podcast. Uh, But he covers Shang-Chi and Iron Fist, and those are characters that aren't Spider-Man. And speaking of characters that also aren't Spider-Man, let me tell you about the next book, Eddie. It's from... April of 1975, Marvel Team-Up number 32, All the Fires in Hell, featuring the Human Torch and the Son of Satan. The Human Torch's buddy, Wyatt Wingfoot, is possessed. He goes to see Damien Hellstrom for some help, and the two fly to Wyatt's indigenous homeland. There, using his hellfire, Hellstrom, combined with a burst of light from the Human Torch, banishes the possessor, Dryminix, the demon, back to hell. And Johnny ends this book with the worst pun imaginable. (laughs) Remember when they had the whole, uh, we're going to put drugs and werewolves and all this other stuff and vampires. They were going to have a Satan book. And it was the one book that Roy Thomas is like, no, 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 Stan, you're you're pushing it too far. So he convinced him to, instead of having a book about Satan, let's make it the son of Satan. And he appeared in Ghost Rider 1 briefly. And then they put him into like Marvel uh, Spotlight, I think it was, maybe Marvel premiere, but one of those little like books where you don't have your own title, just sort of visiting for a while. He did get his own title for a couple issues. I think they canceled it after seven. They put like an eighth issue as a filler or something. But um, yeah, the son of Satan. That's a yeah. that's a real it's a real guy. Well, it it sounds a lot better than Johnny Storm at the end here, where he says he must be going through hell. <laughs> I'm ready for the next book, James B. Why don't you tell us what it's going to be? Reading these Marvel team-ups is sometimes like going through hell. <laughs> so we're going to we're gonna go to the regular main title, which most of our listeners are probably waiting for. It's from June of 1975, The Amazing Spider-Man number 145 in Gwen Stacy is Alive and Well by Jerry Conway, Ross Andrew, Yakoya, and Hunt. Peter has gone mad. (laughs) He refuses to believe Gwen Stacy is standing behind him in his apartment, and yet, there she is. He screams she is an imposter and runs off. Webb's swinging is the only thing to keep his mind from unraveling, so he swings off to see Aunt May in the hospital. Peter really swings off to delay having to talk to Gwen. Uh, The reason he swings off, though, I decided is about as believable as it could be in the situation. If you're the writer and you're like, I need to get this guy out of here, you can't have him talk to Gwen. They're saving that for the the next book, basically. So, Hmm. decent job. 
meanwhile, upstate at the federal penitentiary, a model prisoner, Mac Gargan, has handed his old scorpion costume after being released on good behavior. <laughs> wow. He immediately robs a bank. <laughs> the amazing Spider-Man comic series has proven time and time again that prison reform is not possible for these villains. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if uh, when they... When they're talking about like changing the laws of the United States, people will like hold up these issues and go, and in issue thirty-three, remember when we let Doctor Octopus out and they gave him his heart? Like, right? Well, so. I mean, it's it's funny because Spider-Man, of course, appeared on TV to discuss prison reform in one of the issues back. It's true. Back then, and yet. Yeah, the only way they're getting these guys out of prison is by releasing them on good behavior. And this is this isn't even good behavior. Did you see how he's like, I'm not shaking the cop's hand, I'm just walking out of here. <laughs> it was bad. And that prison guard was so nice to him too. Oh well. While visiting Aunt May in the hospital, Peter relives the horror of fighting Norman Osborne and losing Gwen in his dreams. The doctors say Aunt May is fine, so he swings off and almost immediately finds and fights. The scorpion. This is this is a weird fight, James B. Let me tell you, there's two things about the fight that bother me. Uh, first one is the way the scorpion moves. He seems to be able to jump and stand on the side of buildings at times. And sometimes he seems to jump through the air like a flying squirrel. And sometimes he can punch Spider-Man midair. But other times he seems like he needs to climb on the wall or hang on. It's very inconsistent that he has these abilities. I, I can't tell if he's an, I, I assume he's not an airborne villain, but he really, you know, jumps around like he sort of yes. is. But the, but the more weird thing about it, neither one is trying to win the fight. And like, they're trying to set each other up for these like complicated traps. Like they're playing spy versus spy or something. And then in the end, Spider-Man's like, haha, I got you in the sand. He's like, haha, I got you in the water. And then they just sort of both run away from each other. And there's, and you're like, what was that whole waste of time and, and all that reading for nothing? It was, like you said, it was a very strange film. Yeah, and, the, you know, for me, the strangest part, too, was while they're kind of piddling about, um, Spider-Man is swinging. And as you explained, the scorpion is seemingly airborne or something of that nature. Spider-Man's swinging around and he's worried about dropping the scorpion and he's getting punched while he's like holding him from basically dying I, I was just like, just let him fall. He's probably going to be okay. Yeah. He's a scorpion, so. And this is going to come back in five minutes, by the way, too. We're going to be talking about this again soon. But why don't you finish true. up this story? <laughs> After barely escaping death, Peter heads back to the hospital to find Joe Robbie, MJ, Betty, Ned, and the new Gwen. He once again lashes out at Gwen, but Ned explains her fingerprints are... identical to the Gwen Stacy buried in the graveyard. What a freaky turn for this story. Yeah, especially the fact that Ned's like, by the way, not only is he, he's like, we we dug her up and her body's still there. That's that's a really hard thing to like get authorization to do. And why would Ned, it's just really like weird uh, is what I thought. <sighs> well, one thing I wanted to say is they they cliffhangered us on 144 by making sure that we saw Gwen at the end. And you're like, oh, my God, I need the next book. Another cliffhanger is she's not an imposter. She's she's Gwen Stacy. So they so they had to, like, hide her out of sight for the whole book yeah. just to do this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Eddie, I had one more of those comments from the listeners I discussed. We had our segment earlier called 
you're not a nobody, you're a somebody. Okay. And it involves 145. And you don't have to have this right in front of you. But if you do have it right in front of you. Okay, I do. Well, you see the scorpion at the bottom of the page? Yes. Okay. Read the narrator's box at the bottom of it. It's now 9.05 in the morning of a blustery March day, and the banks in New York are just opening for business. Well, there you go. Okay. So okay. this comment comes from our good friend, Steve, who's been on the show before, at SlimShady underscore EP. <laughs> and Steve adds this comment for us. There's sort of a timeline issue I'd like to point out to you, because when Peter goes to France, which was last Last podcast, Eddie. Correct. It says it's December 28th, closing in on New Year's Day. And then two issues later, when he returns from France, he just flies back. It now just says it's the morning of a March day. Ooh. (laughs) And Eddie, I was going to come up with a whole segment explaining how, you know, this was really the... The beginning of March, and it was only, and it was a short February, and then I realized I can't explain why it would have taken Peter nine weeks, and that Gwen Stacy's been running around for nine weeks, and that he hasn't seen his aunt for nine weeks. So you know what? I'm going to have to give another prize to uh, Steve, and you know they used to give out these no prizes, Eddie. Big no prize, yes. Well, well, we're gonna we're gonna do something a little special for Steve and JVD, better than a no prize, guys, and. We'll explain that after we do the last of our four books today. And that book is from July of 1975, The Amazing Spider-Man number 146 in Scorpion, Where is Thy Sting? By Conway, Andrew, uh, embellished by Romita and the gang. A little Shakespeare in that title. Well, we begin with an elated jackal breaking a bust of Spider-Man while looking forward to revenge. The Jackal says he was born the day Spider-Man murdered someone. Who did he, you know, what day when Norman was murdered or Gwen or any one of the many innocent bystanders that have been killed? (laughs) Well, assuming it wasn't Marvel team up. um, Actually, Eddie, it's Gwen. All right. (laughs) Thank you for clearing that up. Yeah, I got a spoiler. Spoiler, I've read ahead. It's Gwen. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Meanwhile, Peter is dropping Gwen off at home and still struggling to cope with the Gwen situation. The Scorpion is grasping for power by breaking into a mob boss's house. He is upset when the mobster shows him Spider-Man is still alive, and on his way out, the Jackal tackles him, and they form a plan. Back in Washington Heights, Spidey has found the Scorpion's apartment in loot and tells the police, I don't know why this has to happen, James B. Yeah, I also don't know why he has to go meet at a mob boss's house and all that stuff. I don't know what's going on here. I was going to make another segment about, hey, let me explain to you why these things are important, but I don't, I'm just going to agree with you. I don't know why they're doing all this, you know, just filler stuff. It's weird. It's one of two, I think, very pointless parts of this book. But Peter returns to Aunt May and they are both startled (laughs) when Scorpion breaks through the window of Aunt May's hospital room. The Scorpion is searching for Spider-Man, and eventually they find each other and battle. This time, Spidey doesn't pull any punches and threatens the Scorpion's life. He forces Scorpion to apologize to Aunt May, and we end. I mean, talk about the bad pun from Johnny Storm at the end of Marvel Team-Up. But for this one, this is a terrible joke ending to a very serious book, in my opinion. Okay, well, first of all, the Scorpion at one point 
is very concerned that he's going to fall to his death, right? Right. And Spider-Man's like, okay, I'll help you, but you need to do something for me. You need to apologize <laughs> to that old lady. <laughs> and the question is, bigger problem, that the Scorpion suddenly <laughs> is afraid to fall to his death or that Spider-Man's solution is, I'm going to save you if you apologize to the old lady. What bothered you more? Well, I'm going to go even further and say, who convinced the police to let Scorpion go back into Aunt May? <laughs> And apologize, because, you know, the police aren't going to listen to Spider-Man. And then, all right, we're going to do this. I'll go one <laughs> further than that. Scorpion decides to essentially backtalk to Aunt May during his apology. <laughs> and she tells him, you should be ashamed of yourself, young man. I have a very high opinion of Spider-Man, but at least he has manners. And when she says, why you old? She says, watch your tongue or I'll slap your face. <laughs> and then the cops take him out. <laughs> oh, man. It's just, this is a Marvel team-up ending in a Spider-Man book, which should have been super serious since Gwen Stacy's running around. <laughs> Whatever. They need to have some fights in there. You know, I was thinking, I've been reading a book, Eddie. Okay. And, and it's not a comic book. What? It's called the Marvel Comics The Untold Story Ooh. by Sean Howe. Okay. And I've come across a problem. The problem is it tells the story of, you know, this unauthorized bio, you know, story of Marvel Comics. And uh -huh. it's got things from all the different writers. And, and I'm learning, like, you know, why Stan Lee steps down and why Roy Thomas comes uh -huh. in. And then cool. Roy Thomas, by the way, has just, he's no longer working for Marvel while these books are being written. That's why Len Wein was the editor the other day. You oh, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And But the problem is, in this book, they also reveal, like, little plot lines in the Marvel stories. They'll like So I've just come across, like, and then they decide to bring Gwen Stacy back for six issues or whatever. And then I'm like, oh, no. I'm like, I don't want to, like, read this book if it's going to spoil my Spider-Man stuff. Right. So I have to kind of, like, put it aside, and I can only kind of read it up to the year I'm in. Like, so right now I'm in, like, 1974. I can't read it anymore because I'm only in 1974 in the comics. Here's what I did learn. This is the big one I want to give you, and this is going to apply to Marvel Team-Up. Okay. Apparently, the proofreaders were holding things up as they were proofreading stories to make sure they made sense. And every time they had to delay, like, sending books out, it would cost them hundreds of dollars a day. Ooh. So pretty soon they were like, good enough, send it out. Ooh. And there was less complaints from the books being, like, not quite perfect than there was in the loss of money. Wow. So people were willing to send out books that say, hey, by the way, even though it's only been uh, a month later, we're you know, one issue later, we're going to say four months have gone by. Wow. And, and, and that brings me to one other question. In this book, it says Gwen's been dead for two years. Yes, correct. Well, Eddie, in she dies in issue 121. Yeah. She appears in 144. That's two years real time. It's a long time. But we're back on real time again. Yeah. That means Spider-Man has aged two years? It, yeah, this does not work at all because... I'm thinking of putting uh, Steve at Slim Shady underscore EP back on this job and he can figure <laughs> out it has two years even gone by. I'm going to give JVD and Steve uh, a gift card to our sponsor. All right. Wow. That's, um, that's uh, nice. Yeah, I'm going to give them each a $15 gift card to today's sponsor. Um, <laughs> and Eddie, it's time that... We talked about that sponsor briefly. Are you ready for that? Oh, I, I can't wait. I'm sure they'll be using their gift cards immediately, too. So go ahead. Oh, you, don't, be, don't be too jealous. Uh, 
Eddie, you've heard of Amazon Web Services, right? I have. Well, today's sponsor is Hellestrom Dead Services. Now, when you hear the Son of Satan, you know that's the number one service for removing demonic possession. But now, Damon Hellstrom, the son of Satan, can be used for not one, not two, but three new resources, Eddie. They are as follows. He can also translate for people speaking in tongues or speaking backwards. He can toast your subs, and he can dig up bodies in graves to make sure they're still there. All valuable things you might need. What's that you say? Oh no, there's a monster at your door that looks like your long dead great uncle. Call the son of Satan. Eddie, he will check the grave to see if it is your uncle. He will try and talk to the demon who's possessed of your uncle because he can speak in tongues. And if necessary, he can remove that demon. All while you just sit back and finish that now toasty chicken habanero sandwich you had in the refrigerator. Eddie, as I said, as a special prize for Steve and JVD with their insight today, I've arranged for each of them to have a $15 gift card to Hellestrong Dead Services. So which of those services are you going to try? Uh, you know, I, I, I'm going to wait for them definitely to tell me about the service since they have a, you know, a, a discount. Well, why would you? It, so. What are you waiting for? I just told you that this, that he now has four, Eddie, four different things. You're always like, oh, why do I need a giant, <laughs> a giant $1,800 fan to protect my family? A lot of versatility. Uh, I agree. This is four things, Eddie. Well, you know, if I'm not having any demonic problems, I, I just don't know if I need this service, right? Okay, again, we've discussed, maybe you don't need a harness, like, you know, to give you super strength and stuff, or to watch your kids. But listen, you, you've got to take one of these services, Eddie. You must have some need for, isn't there some grave you want checked out? Let's <laughs> just go dig it up, like... I don't know. You said before they, that you think it's a concern, like that it's hard to do this, right? Well, Didn't you say this? I, if, if um, you know, they could dig up um, our, our guinea pig, our poor guinea pig's grave and make sure he's doing okay, I guess, if they really want to. <laughs> hamburger? Oh, no, hamburger's still kicking it. Poor Taco. He he, he died uh, not too long, a year or two ago. So okay. I wanna, we can make right. sure he's not being replicated in some way. <laughs> All right. Well, if that's something you're interested in, you know, you can uh, you can get a hold of uh, Hellestrom Dead Services. So they're easy to find. Just Google it. All right. Okay. All right. So we're good with the sponsor. Let's talk about these books one more time. So we, we did four books today. The Backwards Man book, that was confusing to me. I'm a little embarrassed how long it took me to figure out he was talking backwards. <laughs> well, they captioned it. <laughs> It said he was talking backwards. I know. I don't know. I just kind of missed that or something. It's and then bad. in the second Marvel team up, Wyatt Wingfoot is acting like a crazy person, just like screaming at everybody. <coughs> and <coughs> they bring in this, you know, the son of Satan. And the son of Satan sort of goes on the attack, right? Yeah, he loses it briefly and attacks the torch. It's, oh, it is a weird book too. His his storyline is supposed to be like uh, the way like a werewolf works, like with the full moon. Oh. He's supposed to be during the day, like calm, cool, and collected. But at night, you know, the son of Satan comes out. So he's supposed to be sort of a crazy person at night. But I didn't see that in this story. And then, of course, we get to the main storyline. And we have the the two plots, which is the Gwen Stacy storyline. Uh, as I guess that's the, I guess that's kind of the B story 
where the scorpion is the A story? Oh, what do you think? Scorp- I mean, in a way, right? Yeah, it Scorpions. is. Well, scorpion is the A story. It's just not the story we want. <laughs> uh, they really do scorpion wrong. He's so, like, I talk about somebody who's crazy. What is he doing? He's just, just crazy. I don't know. He gets out of jail, immediately robs a bank. Immediately. <laughs> goes and yeah, goes and hides his money in the closet and then just takes off and goes and bullies some mob boss. Then gets then after Spider-Man makes him, you know, tap out, apologizes to Aunt May and then almost talks back to her, but then gets told he's going to get slapped and then the cops take him away. Oh. What a Mac Gargan. Just boom and boom. Well, is he going to be in jail for a really long time? Hopefully. What's wrong with has, the prison system? <laughs> I Has he been out for, for two years or three months? It's hard to tell where these <laughs> books go. That's I. You know, I don't even think we should even keep talking about two years because Peter Parker's age is way too old. I, I've had this problem for a long time. Remember way back in the Rhino, I was like, I think this is happening in one day, these three books. And then like other books are like a month. That was back when they were paying real close attention. So, well, this podcast has its own time problem, which is I got to keep it under thirty minutes. <laughs> I think it's time we wrap up our show. Eddie, in our last show, we didn't have the where you can find us on Twitter and Gmail because I was running tight on time, so I had to cut something. Oh, well, I that's all right. You know, yeah. Why don't you remind everybody how they can reach us? Email us anytime at letsreadspiderman at gmail dot com, or find us on Twitter at letsreadspidey. All right, now it's time for the close. I'm Eddie, joined by... James B. And remember, listeners, if your recently deceased girlfriend shows up at your door... Just decide, eh, I'm just going to go take care of some other stuff and I'll deal with it later. Goodbye. Bye. You know, I actually don't find that to be really unreasonable. Like, like I, if my recently deceased girlfriend showed up at my door, I would think I was losing my mind also and just not be able to process or handle it. And I would probably run away too. I wouldn't sit there and like, I don't think I could sit there and talk it out. I did say I thought it was reasonable. But they, yeah. they, they're like, we got to make sure he doesn't, he doesn't deal with her. And they're like, we'll take, it's been two years, which I did not know. In the, in the context of comic books, it seems unreasonable. It's like, whoa, this is a huge thing in Spider-Man, and we're just, like, totally avoiding it. It's like, we want to know <laughs> what's going yeah. on. But, I want to go back to this two-year thought for a minute. That means that Peter, she dies for two years. He hasn't even made it, like, the whole MJ thing has taken two years before they even I think, guessed. you know, it's just further evidence that she's not, like, totally his style so i i don't know he it's a long time my the book i was reading if you allow me another moment all right go for it the book the book said that the people thought once stan wasn't in charge anymore they thought gwen stacy was just a boring character and that mj was so much more interesting and why would peter be into gwen stacy i i have to agree there that i think mj is significantly more interesting but 
and there's a lot of debate about how much permission did they have to kill Gwen Stacy, and Ooh, yeah, I, that's uh, what and I did thought Stan, too. And did and of course Stan demanded that uh, you know gave into the peer pressure from the fans that we need to bring her back, which is why she's back here. But I didn't read any further this than that part of the book, so yeah. I don't want to know. I don't really want to know what happens. I mean, I know what happens in the next few issues, right? One thing I noticed that we didn't cover in your thing is you have the word Gunsil written down. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, I wrote down Gunsil because it's a fun word and it means a criminal carrying a gun, which just seems a little bit obvious. But as far as the vocab that's been going on in Spider-Man, there's been, you know, other, I know, commode, which is not a super big word, but the vocabulary, I think, is getting more advanced for like an older audience. And I have to wonder here, you know, Spider-Man came out. Amazing Fantasy is from 1963, right, James B? 62. 62. Oh, boy. 1962. Amazing, Amazing Fantasy 15. That's why we give out $15 gift cards, by the way. <laughs> I see. Mm. And, you know, this audience now has aged quite a bit. And I'm wondering how much they're trying to appeal to longtime readers or just write more Spider-Man comics for young teenagers because... Right. If you read, if you were born in 1950 and you were reading this when you were 13, yeah. Now you're 24, right? Yeah. I I think they have to start including some older Spider. I mean, they already have. You know, they've made Spider-Man bigger, bulkier, older in college. He's he's an adult now. He's not a teenager anymore. That's for sure. So it would it, it would appeal to someone in 1975 who started reading in 1962. Yeah, he kissed two girls last issue, so. Things are out of control. 